0: Sasha. Hey, Courtney. What do birds say on Halloween? I don't know. What? Twicker tweet.
1: Oh, here, have some candy. (laughs) Peck, 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 peck. It's Spoop Hour. Tweet. Paranormal Comedy Podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. This is Sasha. This is Courtney. And we are coming at you with an episode. Thank you for
0: accommodating our week off last week. Mm -hmm. The world is really heavy right now. Yep.
1: And we just, you know, we needed a week. And during that week, you and I have talked a lot about everything that's going on with Mm -hmm. the Black Lives Matter protests, with police brutality, with the... I guess the complex feelings of wanting to go out and help and do something, but also we are still in the midst of a a pandemic. pandemic. And so it just has been like a lot all at once. And this is coming from two white passing people, you know? Yes.
0: I will say unequivocally, we here on Spoop Hour say black lives absolutely matter. They really fucking matter. (laughs) Frankly appalling that we are still having to set that bar so low as to just say, hey, Ending human lives based on skin color is maybe not a good thing, but that's where the bar is. It sucks. We mm-hmm. would like to be out there fighting against it. I am scared of the pandemic, so I am doing what I can from home. Mm-hmm. I'm so. going to be
1: going to a local one that is organized by some of my former students. Oh, nice. And so some of the other teachers and I are going to go out, try still socially distance. We found that the ones yeah. in the suburbs... They're are, more spread out. There's way it's more more spread out because when you're taking over an empty parking lot, there's more space for people. Or yeah. if you're going all the way down a road and mm-hmm. just standing on the sidewalks, you can cover like a mile with all the people. So, mm-hmm. so that's that's about that's what I'm going to be able to do. But yeah, I've also been trying to do as much as I can from home, mostly mm-hmm. donating money.
0: Yeah, I've been donating money to things like, and we recommend you do this as well, donating to bail funds, donating directly to the chapter of Black Lives Matter in your community, Mm -hmm. donating to the NAACP, donating to, Sasha's gonna list those off. Obviously, as a white passing person, I cannot speak for black experience, nor would I want to, because Mm -mm. it is not my place. I talk enough. And as a white passing woman, I get heard a lot more than women of color, and that's bullshit, frankly, as much as I love talking, because you guys listen to my podcast, yeah. my voice right now only matters in a supporting role. Mm-hmm. And if you are white, if you are white passing, your voice also matters in a supporting role right now. So this is not to say be completely silent and don't do anything. Use your platform mm-hmm. as a white person yeah. to not suck quite so much, because god damn do we suck. Yeah. So it's a let's historical just thing.
1: Yeah. Like I've I talked to so many well, okay, I'm in te- I'm a teacher.
0: The teaching <gasps> profession
1: is this is the first I've heard of overwhelmingly this overwhelmingly white. Like mm-hmm. this week I was talking to one of my coworkers because one of our students asked her to sponsor the a new club at school, which is like a Ethiopian Eritrean student association. We already mm-hmm. have a black student union at our school, but there was also a, you know, a want for also a group for basically our first generation, second generation East African born mm-hmm. immigrants to have like a space at school to hang out and stuff. But my friend is white and she wanted to make sure, like, you know, like to kind of talk through a little bit about, you know, sponsoring this club as a white person but then i started thinking kind of down the line of like my rolodex in my head we don't really Mm -hmm. have a lot of black teachers at our school we don't have very many people of color in our school in my department if you put together there's like three of us we Mm -hmm. make like one and a half asian people and one half of a peruvian so like oh i'm sorry two and a half of an asian person and a half of a peruvian so like Mm -hmm. not not a whole lot Right. <laughs> of diversity. And so but all I mean, the conversations I've had with my white coworkers has been like really engaging and like kind of hopeful, like mm-hmm. that a lot of them do get it and a lot of it has to do with working in the school that we do work in and wanting mm-hmm. to make sure that our students know that we don't only think that their lives matter. But that they are important and that they're supported mm-hmm. and that they're beloved. And yeah, we're not doing the bare minimum. We want to make sure that we're amplifying, like protecting those kids. Yeah. But yeah. I, I work in the same school district that you and I went to school in. Mm-hmm. And when we were kids, I'm sure you had a similar experience. Because you, you graduated high school in 07, I graduated 08. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been more than a decade since we've been in school. But even as recently as 2016, we were asked to not be political at work. Mm-hmm. And then now our superintendent, who is... He's only been our, with us for, like, the last two or three years. And then my school's principal, who's only been with us since February. Basically, all of the leadership in our district has decided that by not talking about racism, because they're it's scared it that worse. it would be seen as a political thing, has mm-hmm. made it worse. And so, they like, the superintendent apologized and basically was like, we have to talk about this because by not talking about it, we only make it worse. So at least our workplaces are actively. Yeah. We're trying. Trying. The goal is don't be colorblind. Yeah. It seems
0: like, oh, we don't see race. I, I don't know. I don't know. Then you don't colors. see the experience. I just see the human race. That's yeah. not helping. Mm-mm. That isn't addressing systemic issues of injustice. That isn't addressing all of these deep, deep roots of racism we have in this country. It's
1: the original sin of our country.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. since our country was literally founded on racist violence. Yeah. Like, that's... that, that's And it sucks. And we haven't done enough to rectify that, so we need to make up for it now. So, yeah. do you want to read off?
1: Not, not to be too ACAB, too, but, like, even the policing in our country was mm-hmm. founded on the back of catching slaves. Slave catching. So, like... I mean, this is all bad stuff that we were founded on. So yes. it's important that we're listening. That there's, you mm-hmm. know, there's no community that has one story and one voice, one perspective. There's so many, but to make sure that mm-hmm. you're actively listening to those voices and what they have to say—black voices, indigenous people, mm-hmm. immigrants, mm-hmm. people of color, LGBTQ community, women—like mm-hmm. making sure that you're you're listening and then doing something to help make a change with mm-hmm. or uplift others without just doing it for yourself to make you look good, but instead yeah. to make everything better for everyone, right?
0: I will say, too, again, because I, I don't want to spend too, too terribly too, too, long yeah. on this because we are a paranormal comedy podcast, and I'm, I would hope most of you have already been entrenched in this mm-hmm. for a while, which, if you have been, good on you, we love you. If you haven't been, just make an effort, that's okay. Yeah, Everyone can do a little thing. Yeah, it's also okay to, if you need to, step back for a mm-hmm. little bit, because, but if you are on the verge of a nervous breakdown, it's okay to take a step back because you can't pour from an empty vase. You just mm. can't. Exactly.
1: So. So a good place to start to search for information is Black Lives Matters. with That has an S. Dot co- C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. That's like the really good starting point. Mm-hmm reach out to your local, state, and national representatives. You know, call them, talk to them, sign all the petitions, donate your time to local efforts, donate your money to organizations like Reclaim the Block, North Star Health Collective, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, Black Visions Collective, Black Disability Coalition, the Marshall Project. See what smaller local grassroots organizations in your area you can help with, too. Bail funds if you have them in your area. In D.C., the Freedom Fighters Group has been helping to organize resources for the last 10 days of protests. There's also church (laughs) Churches and shops and concert venues that have been opening up to shelter people. They need supplies and that kind of thing. Uh See, you know, even the littlest thing can make a difference. Make sure you're registered to vote. A lot of the places Uh where these protests are happening do have people in power who are still basically kowtowing to overfunded police departments. So it's not And if- it's not enough to vote it's enough you have to start also applying pressure to those people and then also you know watch and listen to publicly funded media like you know pbs npr local public stations a lot of those reporters they're sending directly to these protests and they're covering the protesters perspective and not like a eagle eye view from a helicopter they're like getting in there and actually sharing the concerns of the people who are protesting Some books to read. (laughs) I love books because I'm a teacher. Again, this is the first I'm hearing of it. Right? did you know? Stamped from the Beginning and also How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, or the Young Reader's Version called Stamped Racism, Anti-Racism, and You by Ibram X. Kendi and Jason Reynolds. So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Olo? White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo, who's a white woman, but that text is really good paired with um, Oluo's book, The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria by Beverly Daniel Tatum, The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson, Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi coats. Uh, the Autobiography of Malcolm X, Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay, Women, Race, and Class by Angela Davis, Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde, Unapologetic by Charlene A. Carruthers, Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. Shout out to Teresa for introducing me to that book when I was a wee baby in college. Aww. <laughs> also some young adult books, right? If you're mm-hmm. if, if you've got young people in your life or you like to read YA because you can be an adult who likes to read YA. The Hate yeah. You Give by Angie Thomas, Dear Martin by Nick Stone, and her, the upcoming sequel Dear justice the 50 of 7 bus by dashka slater monster by walter dean myers the poet x by elizabeth acevedo all american boys by jason reynolds and brendan kiley long way down by jason reynolds march by john lewis andrew Iden, and nate powell bound girl dreaming by jacqueline woodson and there's so many more our local library system in this area has been doing a lot about promoting those books there's so many if you just look up like anti-racist books mm-hmm. you will get so many recommendations at so many different age levels a bookstore.org is also a really good way to support independent bookstores if you order from them and then also there are places there are black owned bookshops or uh, bookshops owned by people of color lgbt bookshops online Mm -hmm. that you can order books from and they'll also you know you'll be able to support them as well Mm -hmm.
0: okay all right so thank you for bearing with us on that we wouldn't be using our platform responsibly if we didn't talk about it but also it is stressful for everybody yeah and we don't want to destroy you so what are we talking about today sasha burbs okay well before we get into burbs because what even are they We We just just don't don't know. know. Did anything spooky happen
1: to you this week? Duh. It's okay if the answer is no, because I have had a fucking harrowing week. Probably no. I spent more time in my garden because one of my students told me about green witchy, witchery, being a green witch, and now I want to spend more time in my yard. (laughs) 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 Emily, if you still listen to my podcast, thank you. Okay. I love it. Go ahead. Tell me about your harrowing week.
0: So I've had a harrowing fucking week on top of the very fabric of our society being torn apart because we're not addressing the roots of systemic inequality. I had a personal, like, Crisis on top of crisis on top of crisis this week. So it started with... I
1: got automated I was, texts about these crises. Yes,
0: because Sasha has not taken herself off of our Cause, notification cause system. I don't know how. <laughs> You'll get notifications till we're all dead. So <laughs> it started, I... Was doing a lot of laundry, because I had had an asthma attack, and I was like, oh, I'll wash my comforter. So, asthma
1: attack is your first thing, then laundry. Yes, first thing, had an asthma attack, so I
0: was like, I'm going to wash my comforter, because it's probably got dust on it, because I dusted my ceiling fan. Fine. Well, while I was washing my comforter, I noticed we have the sink in the utility room, Mm -hmm. and I hear a splash, and it's because the sink was backed up. And apparently our washing machine drains out to the sink. So by the end of the load of laundry that I could not abort because our washing machine does not allow that, it was quite full. So I was like, okay, this sucks, but I'm going to manually drain it, and then we'll apply Drano, and we'll plunge it, and we'll hope for the best. So I manually drained it, and I got down to a fairly low level, and that was when I saw the maggots. Because there were a bunch of drowned maggots in the standing Mm. water. No! No! Now, dear listener... We all know I have germ issues. It's part of why I hardly leave the house. But there were 10 maggots in this water, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm no. literally covered in this water. So I took a shower. There are no there haven't been enough showers yet, but there have been many. It's fine. So I plunged it. We applied Drano. It didn't do shit. So we're like, okay. So we submit a request. And we're like, that's fine. We just won't use the washing machine or the utility room sink until they come and check it out. Well, then the next day we noticed... The sink had filled up again, except we had not used the washing machine. So at first, we placed the blame on a toilet up here, because our toilets upstairs are haunted. That turned out not to be the case. It was the kitchen sink. Have you ever tried to go a day without using your kitchen sink? It sucks, and is very challenging, (laughs) and it leads to a lot of gross shit, so... At that point, I started just, like, begging via maintenance request, like, please, for the love of God. And meanwhile, I'm getting these texts. (laughs) Oh, I should clarify. Tuesday night was when I did laundry. Wednesday was when we were trying to get the maintenance people out there. Thursday, they finally assigned somebody, and they're like, we'll come out Friday. And I'm like, I need you guys to understand we cannot wait until Friday, because even once we put the embargo on using the sink and the washing machine and the dishwasher, that sink was still fucking filling up. So something else is drains down there, too. So we're like, what the fuck is happening? We can't use any of our water. Please, for the love of God, send somebody. So the plumber came out, which was also terrifying, because we had to have a stranger in the house during a pandemic, but that's... <laughs> That's fine. Just, like, really just stacking crises yeah. on top of me. Mm-hmm. Like, we're smushing me like I'm a witch. On top of then, on the her. endless
1: scroll on the internet and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: On top of, again, addressing the roots of systemic, S- systemic injustice. Grease. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> on top of that, I can't use the fucking water in my house. So the plumber comes. He fixes it. It turns out it's just, like, years and years and years of grease buildup in the pipes. Goes on his very way. We can use water again. Huzzah! Over the course of this when we blamed the toilet, a toilet chain on a different toilet broke, so I still need to fix that. Oh, to say great. that. Speaking of personal crises. Then Friday <laughs> thunderstorms. <laughs> Thursday a giant thunderstorm rolls in, and at midnight we lost power. Mm-hmm. Dear listener, it's very hot here. It's very humid. We lost power at
1: midnight. We got it back at 6 p.m. the next day. (laughs) Dear listener, it's been like 90 degrees at 50% humidity here because it's summer in D.C. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: you can only imagine how hot our fucking house got because we did not have power for 18 hours. We had to throw away a bunch of food, which I fucking hate because I hate food waste. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. So, and on top of that, it turns out I wasn't done with car accident stuff because my insurance has taken a lean out against me. So... We need to do something special for you. Like, I made myself fluff salad. That's been. The, I, 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 I went wish... to the grocery store yesterday because I was due in anyway, and then also I had to dump a bunch of food. And I got stuff to make fluff salad, which is just marshmallows, coconut, pineapple, and maraschino cherries when I make
1: it. It sounds so, so I'm, good. I'm very happy. I was going to say, I wish I could, like, deliver you magic chair. oh Oh, god i've been dreaming of
0: going back to magic chair someday someday (laughs) when i'm not so scared to leave the house oh also there's cool whip in it
1: (gasps) cool whip yummy should we play a game let's play a
0: game so to kick things off with the bird episode we have what else but a featured creature spoiler alert it's a kind of bird (laughs) 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 Huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. I- <laughs> who would have
1: imagined on the bird episode
0: <laughs> this comes from wikipedia coffee and creatures africaroadtravel.com so great sources okay. zap zap it's me a figure from various tribal lore in africa i'm a person sized black and white bird or maybe a rooster like bird with peacock feathers or a red tail also sometimes the tail is blue or green what do i even look like what even are birds <laughs> we just don't know we just don't know I can also be technically a borb, as the fat on my body can help me with my mystical powers. I use my chonk as fuel when I throw lightning bolts, because that's right, suckas. I can summon lightning. That's so metal. (laughs) There are variations on what my deal is, depending on which variation of the lore you hear. If you ask the Zulu, for example, I'm a servant of the Lord of Sky, descending upon the world to claim a human being to sacrifice via lightning bolt. The Kosa, however, will tell you that I am the companion of witches and witch doctors. And if you mouth off to me, I will strike you down with tuberculosis or other terrible illness. Jesus. And that's only if I don't lightning bolt you outright. The Kosa also yeah. say, though, that I'm handed down from mother to daughter, which is nice. You know, it's a matriarchal pet line. Sure. The first in line must capture me at the moment lightning strikes the ground, though. Otherwise, I will roam ownerless and cause chaos on my own by kicking people in the chest or back, sucking their blood, or pressing on their chest. Sometimes I do like to hang out with hyenas, though.
1: What I love is that those are all traits of several of the different birds that I'm going to be talking about today. Yeah, like, it didn't <laughs> yeah. come from nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm also
0: a bit of a ladies bird. Sometimes I will manifest as a beautiful man and seduce a lady, but you maybe don't want to be the lady I seduce because my affinity for you means you're probably an evil witch.
1: Oh, no. Yeah,
0: so I'm, I'm very particular in my ladies' tastes. Do you need some help guessing my name?
1: Yes. Okay. It has
0: two names. I'm going for the one that's harder to guess rather than the really easy one to guess. Okay. Because I'll just tell you outright, the other name for
1: it is Lightning Bird. (laughs) Okay, yeah, it's kind of like, I was like Thunderbird, but that's Native American lore. Yes. Yeah.
0: But, you know, similar vein. (laughs) All right. Similar vein. First syllable is the same letters for the contractions of I am. I'm. Then yeah. it's something Courtney loves that makes everybody else groan. Pun. Yep. Then it's yep. a thing that Yoda says is or is not because there is no try. In Pundu. You're, you're almost there. And finally, it's skip, <laughs> skip, skip
1: to my. Lou. Impundaloo? That's right, it's Impundaloo, or the lightning bird! (laughs) (laughs) The Impundaloo, interesting. And the Impundaloo
0: does have a real-life counterpart, which is the hammerkop, which is the cutest fucking bird that I might have ever seen. Like, I got really excited about it. And the reason why it has this affinity is because the head of this bird is said to be kind of shaped like a storm swell, so it's... A lightning bird, because it kind of looks like it's got a storm for a head. Aww. Look how cute. Oh, my God. And I'm so gonna, proud of him. Adorable. <laughs> Look at him. I
1: love him. Oh, my God. This is like just straight up a Pokemon.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I did, before I decided I was going to phonetically make you sound out in Pundaloo, I was going to be like, it's what Pikachu does combined with what I am. Because <laughs> it's a lightning bird. Anyway. Oh my god. You I ready to talk it. about birds? I am ready to talk about birds. Hooray! Turns out there's a lot of birds. So I have like five mythical birds. Three of them all go in a row. <laughs> One is a real bird that has lore attached to it. I realize now I should not say that storks are mythical. They do exist. <laughs> you heard it yeah. here first, folks. So this all comes because of livescience.com, everythingbirds.com, folklorethursday.com, wikipedia, mythology.wikia.com, mythology.net, creole magazine, ancientorigins.com, and historydaily.org. I briefly thought I was going to be able to use birds.com as a source, but it had no useful information.
1: I'm very disappointed <laughs> in birds.com. It's okay, I use JustBirding.com. Oh, okay, so. good.
0: At least just birding and everythingbirds.com have our back
1: yeah exactly where would
0: we be without them so first i'm gonna talk about the rock and i put in my notes in parentheses not dwayne johnson Aww. swooping in from indian and arabic mythology is the rock a giant bird of prey how giant is it so giant (laughs) that in both the Mahabharata and the ramayana it carries off elephants to eat
1: oh no it That's has
0: a big burst. It has a wingspan of 48 feet. So it is no wonder that the rock usually turns up in myths and stories where somebody gets mystically carried off somewhere. Because
1: it is fucking huge. Wow, that makes my albatross seem really tiny. <laughs> yeah, the albatross is like, oh no, the rock is like, ha ha
0: ha ha. ha. <laughs> <laughs> the rock story originates around 39 Common Era. That's 39, the year. 39.
1: That's like the other week when we were like the year 100 doesn't exist. <laughs>
0: That's not real. This
1: is That's not real.
0: Exceedingly not real. It was the year 39. So that was with a story of a sighting in India where the rock carries off an elephant that was fighting a crocodile. There's a lot to unpack <laughs> there. One, Elephants and crocodiles were fighting, and two, the rock was like, Break it up, you guys, and just whisk the elephant off.
1: I'm gonna, we're gonna put you in timeout right now. Yeah, if you guys can't play nicely, you can't play at all,
0: okay? <laughs> and then Dwayne Johnson just oh grabs God. the elephant under his arms and lumbers off.
1: And that's amazing. Is there anything he can't do?
0: No, he can fly. We're gonna get into all of he the things fly. he can do here now. One of the most well known <laughs> tales of the rock is in the 1001 Nights also known as Arabian Nights, which is where we get Aladdin. We talked about it in our Genie episode. So in the 1001 Nights, the rock is found living on a tropical island during Sinbad's travels. Sinbad was sailing the ocean blue, as is his custom, when suddenly his ship is beset by rocks falling from the sky, And I put in my notes, rock rocks, not rock rocks. This is a joke that does not work in an audio medium, Courtney. Get it together. (laughs) (laughs) Rocks like stones, not rocks like cacaw, the bird that I'm talking about. Cacaw, bitch. Cacaw, bitch. (laughs) As the ship starts to sink, Sinbad is rescued when a rock, the bird, not the stone that sank the ship, swoops in and carries him to safety. Unfortunately, the rock carried Sinbad to its net, where he finds an egg the size of 148 hen eggs, which is a very specific measurement of eggs. That
1: is a very specific number. It's not 150. It's 148. 148. Yeah. Sinbad sat there and counted 148 eggs. Which, I mean, I guess is fair. He didn't have a phone. Yeah, that's true. He was like, I would play Candy
0: Crush if I had it, but I don't, so I'll just (laughs) guess how many hen eggs this is. Sinbad knows he is far, far above the surface of the earth, though, and that he can't just climb down off the mountain, because while the rock was flying him to its mountain home, he noticed that he couldn't see the earth anymore, because that's how high up the rock was. It was in fucking space. space. (laughs) Dwayne the Rock Johnson can send himself into space. You heard it here first, folks. Amazing. Sinbad was eventually able to get away by using the turban he was wearing to strap himself to the rock's leg, and then when the rock went near another island, he dropped away. So he just untied himself real quick and kind of free-falled, and then, like, landed in a pile of fluff salad, probably. Yeah, he was fine. He was fine. It, it's Sinbad. There were a thousand and one nights, and Sinbad was, like, four of them, so he's gonna be fine. There's also another version of this tale where the ship was destroyed because Sinbad tried to eat a rock egg, and then the rock parents were like, "What the fuck, man!"
1: and dropped boulders on his ship. That's so much cholesterol. I know. One hundred and forty-eight regular
0: eggs in one sitting, bro.
1: That's too many. That's too many. Like you go past four, and you're gonna start feeling gross. I was gonna say, like, I can maybe house a platter of deviled eggs, but that's different. That's different. And also... That's not 148 eggs. (laughs) Right.
0: And peak of masculinity, Gaston, only has 60 eggs every day. And he's roughly the size of a barge. If he doesn't need 148 eggs, neither do you. Right. (laughs) Anyway, Marco Polo, imperialist explorer, takes some of the credit for spreading Tales of the Rock to the West because before... His interference, it mostly was confined to, like, the Middle East and further east. Mm -hmm. When describing his travels in China in the 1200s, Marco Polo described a bird of impossible size that attacked animals that were so big, even humans left them alone. So things that we wouldn't fuck with, he saw this bird come in and just be, like, looking like a snack, and then just fly away. (laughs) The bird, he said, flew to Madagascar from there and would go further north from somewhere in the south so that it lived somewhere in the south he did not specify he just said it came from the south could be anywhere really and that it was just a giant predator all it loved to do was eat in one description Mm -hmm. he wrote quote it was for all the world like an eagle but one indeed of enormous size so big in fact that its quills were 12 paces long which bro eagles don't have quills
1: (laughs) maybe he means feathers yeah i think he means feathers yeah yeah but 12 paces long they're only called quills when you
0: write with them i guess i don't know yeah, 12 paces long and thick in proportion, so just like chonky feathers. And it is so Shit, strong damn. that it will seize an elephant in its talons, again with the elephants, and carry him high into the air and drop him so that he is smashed to pieces. Having so killed him, the bird swoops down on him and eats him at leisure. It's like a hawk picking up a squirrel (laughs) and dropping it. But I don't think you can describe dropping an elephant from a great height as smashing into pieces. You're going to end up with elephant fluff salad at the end of that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's
1: mush. Big, (laughs) splattery mush. Yes,
0: it's not like elephant nuggets. It's mush. (laughs) Speculation is rampant about what Marco Polo actually saw, because he talked about it a couple times, so they're pretty sure he was talking about a bird he saw in real life. Mm -hmm. it may have either been an elephant bird or a moa which are both extinct flightless birds that topped out around nine feet which is pretty big for a bird yeah there are also we know now there are extinct eagles that had a wingspan of 10 feet that roamed china back in the day so it's possible Mm -hmm. that marco polo saw one of these and was like oh my god it's a giant bird and then like took some creative liberties with sure. how giant the bird was to be like, and yeah. how big was elephant. it? Oh, it was this big. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, it's still impressive if that bird just takes out, like, 14 snakes, you know?
1: Yeah, or maybe his definition of elephant was, like, a baby elephant. Oh, maybe. He just, he didn't say how old the elephant was. That's true,
0: he did not, suppose, he just said elephant. Baby
1: elephants are big, but they're still small in comparison to, like, adult elephants.
0: Yeah, it's, like, 180 pounds as opposed to, like, Several tons. I don't know. How big are elephants? All right, you ready to talk about the Alkanost and Siren? Yes. It may be Siren. For clarity, I'm going to call it Siren. We'll get into why in a second. Okay. So coming at you from... Because does it act like a Siren? Maybe. 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 So coming at you from Russia are the Alkanost and the Siren. These are two birds with the heads of women that generally partner up for appearances in folklore. And I put in my notes, side note, mythology fic writers, you're welcome for your new lesbian burb ship. (laughs) right (laughs) like sexy ladybirds you're welcome why not it writes itself there you go so the alkanost sings the most beautiful songs you could possibly imagine and they are so enchanting that you forget all your worldly desires and everything else you've ever known and do anything so long as you can continue listening to the song like a siren merchants would hear the alkanost song when they were at sea and end up dying of lethargy Sound familiar <laughs> like a siren. Both the Alkonos and the Siren are very siren-y, and there's a reason for that. We'll get into it. From its magical island home of Buyan, Buyan is not a real place. Buyan Buyan It was a mystical <laughs> island where they said this bird lived. And some in some texts it's literally the Garden of Eden. You know. Buyon. Yeah. The alcanost is believed to be a wind spirit with domain over storms, so when it's time for it to make little baby alcanosts, you might want to watch out. The alkanos will lay its eggs and then roll them into the sea to hatch them. For seven days, everything will be calm while the eggs incubate, but as they hatch, the ocean gets rough and a thunderstorm will appear because of all the little baby wind spirits being born under the waves.
1: Aww, right? but That's, also danger. I you know, but
0: such little tiny storm babies. <laughs> coming little out of eggs, causing problems. Baby storms. Once Christianity moved into Russia, a new variation on the Alkanos lore emerged, where the Alkanost was a peaceful and beautiful spirit that inspired the angels in, where else? The Garden of Eden. Told you. Mm. She was the inspiration mm. for saints with her encouraging songs, and I put in my notes, Boring... <laughs> the alcanost was likely derived from the greek demigoddess and i looked up how to say this and the internet could not come to a consensus it's either alcyone or alcyone i don't know i'm very sorry i tried so we'll for the purposes of this we'll say alcyone alcyone mm-hmm. incited the wrath of zeus because of the pet name she and her husband use alcyone and her husband sakes called each other zeus and Hera which is really funny because Zeus got so pissed about it. He was like, how fucking dare you call your husband Zeus? I'm Zeus. He's not Zeus. So he (laughs) threw down a thunderbolt when Sakes went out to sea, and when Alcyone heard the news, she threw herself into the sea. But the other gods showed some compassion, and I put in my notes and probably hated Zeus because he was a petty bitch, let's be real, and turned the pair into kingfishers instead. So that's where you get... Alcyone, oh. or if you say it Alcyone, it kind of sounds more like Alkonost, where beautiful woman had oh. bird body. But I just... Huh. How cute... One, adorable, you and your partner King calling it, are so cute. Calling each other Zeus and Hera. And two, right. Zeus getting so mad about that, that he's like, well, obviously, you can't be alive anymore. <laughs> Zeus is a petty bitch. He's so petty. Oh my god. I know, and kingfishers are precious. So you could be turned into yes. a worse bird. So... Right. You heard it here first, folks. Call your partner Zeus and or Hera. Your choice. You'll get to be a bird. Yeah. Who doesn't love being a bird? Right. The Siren, as the similarity of her name would imply, is derived from the tales of the Sirens, although over the years, the Siren became less of a singing lure to end wayward sailors and more a symbol of peace. So like the Alcanost, the Siren has the head of a woman and the body of a bird, usually an owl. But sometimes it also has the chest of a woman, which probably is so that they could draw boobs. Boobies. Look at the sweet titties on that bird. (laughs) (laughs) That bird has titties. Mm, Why a bird got a titty, though? (laughs) (laughs) Sirens are usually portrayed as wearing crowns and telling the saints of future joys to come in song. But for mere mortals, these songs would do the same deal as the other singing myths, lure them to a watery grave. Russian sailors would try to ward off the Siren song by shooting cannons, shouting, and ringing bells to scare them off, like you do with regular birds. Sure, right? Yeah. But by the time the 17th and 18th centuries rolled around, Sirens had become the other side of the coin to Alkanosts. So where Alkanosts were singing and causing destruction and killing people either on purpose or on accident the siren started to symbolize world peace and harmony due to their home which was in close proximity to paradise so again we're getting into that like Garden of Eden that's where this Mm -hmm. bird lives so people were like okay so the alkanost is the bad side of the coin but then the flip side of the coin is this other thing that also sings but is like the nice one only Mm -hmm. the truly happy would be able to hear the siren song and also you could never catch a siren because much like human happiness it is elusive So, the idea being like you hear the Siren song and it's like, oh, it's so beautiful, but you can only hear it if you are truly 100% in your soul, deeply happy. And then while researching the Alkanos and Siren, I also came across Gamayun. Oh. Gamayun learned around the time of the peaceful version of Siren, so like, you know, 17th, 18th century. And she is usually treated as an icon for happiness, harmony, and prosperity. Gamayun can also see the future and act as a prophet, which is very impressive for a bird with a lady's head, as she is aware of everything set to happen in the worlds of humans, gods, animals, and heroes. She usually is depicted as living near the Euphrates River and, or, guess where? The Garden of Eden. Oh, of course. (laughs) That's where they all live. Apparently, the reason why Gamma Yun isn't included more frequently with the other two is because of her precognition. So because she permanently knows what is going to happen, she's kind of an outsider, even among other mythological birds with ladies' heads.
1: So she's, like, trying to hang out, but then she's also like, oh, by the way, you're going to stub your toe next week. Yeah. Like and you are like, I don't want to know that. Yeah,
0: everybody. she's bumming everybody else out, so they're like... Fuck, she's here. Oh, I don't want to invite her. And she's like, hey, guys. I know you're going to hang out because I can see the future. So I'll see you guys there. Cool. And they're like, oh, shit. Scamming one. Oh, shit. It's very sad. She's kind of like uh, Cassandra like, in myth. Uh, yeah. Where she can see the future, but nobody likes her. Yeah. Because yep. she can see the future. And it's they like, also Oh, don't you guys are planning
1: her. a beach trip. Um, Sorry, it's going to be raining the next week. Yeah. And Alkanos is yeah. like, I know I'm the reason why it's going to rain. But when you tell me, it's <laughs> not cool.
0: Gamayun has roots in Iranian mythology and is sometimes associated Mm -hmm. with the pagan Russian god Veles, the wisdom deity. If you can understand Gamayun's song, which is purportedly sung in an ancient and basically impossible language, it means you too will have the gift of precognition. So you'll understand a snippet of the song and you'll know what's coming. (laughs) So basically with all of these birds with ladies' heads, they got folded into... Russian Christianity once Christianity moved <laughs> in, but they were remnants of Russia's pagan history. Interesting. <laughs> Those are birds with ladies' heads. <laughs> birds with ladies' heads. So And also Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs>
1: and also Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about birds that are either weird or metal or scary or just basically why are birds? We just don't know. We just don't um- know. But I am going to start with one that has a little bit of lore connected to it. The wandering albatross. Oh no! Is a bird with the largest wingspan of any living bird, measuring up to eleven feet four inches from end to end, which basically pales in comparison to its prehistoric uh, seabird ancestor, the pelagornis, which had one of seventeen feet. Damn! Right, so that's that's like three people
0: stacked end to end. Right. It's It's a big ass bird. That's a Big Bird. So, Oh my god, is that where Big Bird comes from? Right? Could you imagine? <laughs> We've just
1: busted there are this whole 20, thing wide I, open. Big Bird, you have one week to respond. There, there is a bird that reminds me a little bit more of Big Bird if Big Bird was like a creepy death creature. And we'll talk about that later. In the
0: gritty reboot um, of Sesame Street, That's true. <laughs> Oh,
1: no. (laughs) So there's currently 22 known species of albatross, and all of them are basically threatened, vulnerable, near-threatened, or endangered. And a lot of this has to do with fishing. Longline fishing hooks can grab hold of and drown birds, and they kill about 100,000 each year. Damn. Let's talk about animal friendships. Love it. The albatross are good friends with the sunfish. Aw. And that's the the big one that's like kind of shaped like a square. Yeah. With like two little fins and and then sideways. Silver dollar motherfucker. yeah, they like to bask in the sun yeah, uh, near the link. surface. So they're, they're good friends with the sunfish, and they have this like symbiotic relationship with them in that they clean off parasites and crustacean hitchhikers, mm-hmm. and then the sunfish will like, come up to bask in the sun and like bring them food, basically. The albatrosses are also sometimes in same-sex pairings. Um, when the sex ratio is imbalanced in a colony, the female birds will get together to raise a chick after breeding with a male. And then, so, like, they, they will go and get inseminated, but then the two women will take care of the one chick.
0: This is very um, much turning into another Pride episode with all these lesbian birds.
1: Right. I lesbian love birds. It. The albatross is also uh, a major symbolic figure in Samuel Taylor Coleridge's poem, The Rime of the Ancient Mariner. Tell me more! Where the albatross is a sign of good luck. And so, any reference to the albatross in media that you hear these days is basically a direct allusion to the metaphor created by Coleridge, where if you see it when you're sailing, it's good luck. If you kill it, like the titular mariner did, then you're cursed, and you're bound to like basically have a bad journey. The other sailors on the ship make the mariner wear the dead albatross around his neck to show his guilt. You have to remember, albatross wingspan, 11 feet. Oh my god, I never thought about that. Think about, yeah, it's How not big like that, you're wrapping a seagull yeah, around your neck. Where it's, no. like, gross, an but it's contained. An albatross has an 11-foot wingspan, and he had to wear that bird around his neck. That bird is, like, at least half of his body length. Like, like yeah. in terms so of, basic, like, bird
0: body, not counting the
1: wings. Yeah. And so, basically, then it becomes this symbol of, like, penance. Yeah. So, don't fuck with the albatross. They will fuck you up. Yeah. So, let's talk about another bird. This is the, great honey, uh, the Greater Honeyguide. It is a born-killing machine. Ooh. Basically, much like cuckoos, they will lay their eggs in another bird's nest. (gasps) um, And where the cuckoo just wants its bird to be, like, raised and cared for and become bigger than the other birds and basically, like... Yeah, the cuckoo's just a deadbeat parent. Right. Basically outrank the other children as a deadbeat and then also not have to raise their own kid. Mm Mm-hmm. The greater honey guide has a little bit of a more sinister edge to it. Uh-oh. The greater honey guide chicks are born with a specialized beak that sports spikes at the tip. <gasps> and when the baby honey guide finds other babies in the nest, it will violently kill them. Lots of stabbing, chewing, shaking until the victim stops moving. Maybe I was and naive, then... but I assumed the shrike was the stabbiest of all birds. <laughs> no. Um, it will <laughs> oh then my also God. kill all of the other chicks until... It is the last bird standing and then its hook simply falls off and it goes on to be an adult. Oh my and god. It fully normal have hook and actualized. An so it doesn't have the hook out. as an adult. Just <laughs> as a baby. It's a killing machine when it's a baby and then it just becomes like a normal adult. Okay, horror writers.
0: Enjoy your new horror monster. Oh my god. Right?
1: Then there's also the vampire finches from the Galapagos, classic, who feed feed on the blood of other animals, including the threat uh, the threatened blue-footed boobies. They'll peck at other birds and animals until they bleed, and then they drink the blood as it comes out. And similar finches will pick parasites off of other animals for nutrients, but this finch evolved to then peck the skin and get like really into it. This bird is like, since
0: I'm here, I may as well also drink blood. <laughs>
1: Right. And it th- if it thinks its victim tastes good, it will frequently return to go back to feed on it. Well, that's a bummer. Right? <laughs> so you just constantly get, like, your blood let out a little bit by a little bird. Jesus Christ. And, and it's kind and over of over a
0: compliment because it's like, oh, you're so delicious. I had to have, come back and eat you some more. But, like,
1: fuck that. right? Right. <laughs> Cassowaries are oh. another bird who can kill people. Those are fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> Right? This Australian bird is brightly colored and has a bony looking head in addition to massive clawed feet. It basically looks like a dinosaur. Yeah. It's kick can break bones, kill dogs, and rip into human flesh. Jesus Christ, Australia. (laughs) Right? And everything will kill you. In 1926, Philip and Granville McLean, a pair of teen brothers, came across a cassowary and their dog attacked it. Uh Uh-oh. The cassowary attacked back and gravely injured Granville and then killed Philip as he tried to run away. Holy shit. Philip tripped and fell and the bird attacked him and severed an artery in his neck with its feet. <laughs> fuck. However, cassowaries are unlikely to attack unless you mess with them and the vast majority of attacks were because humans provoked them in some way either by trying to hurt them or by feet trying to feed them. Why so don't try Earth to feed them. Why would you fuck with a cassowary? What right? are you doing? Leave the Leave dinosaur alone, alone. <laughs> and it won't kickstab you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the
1: failed cousin of Kickstarter was Kickstabber. It's scary, scary Velociraptor claws. Yeah, like, Jesus Christ. Crows, I think we've talked about before, but they, like some other birds kind of in their family, ravens and all of that, have a good memory. In addition to being highly intelligent, they recognize human faces and remember them and also associate what areas they like met them in. And so I follow this one professor on Twitter who's befriended all of her neighborhood crows this way. And they, like, come up to her window and she feeds them and it's really cool. But the pendulum can swing the other way. If you're mean to mm-hmm. a crow, it will remember that you're mean. And then it will also go talk shit about you to the other crows. Yeah, it tells its friends and, and they will fuck with you. It tells its you. friend, they will fuck with you. And then that can go on for generations of crows. <laughs> they don't forget. A bitch doesn't forget. I also love
0: corvids for that yes,
1: reason. I love corvids. Corvids are like, never forgive. Never forget. Never forget. Let's talk about some gross ones. <laughs> so the squaw, when hungry, chases down other birds who seem to have eaten recently, and they'll chase that bird until it gets so annoyed, exhausted, and stressed that it vomits up what it ate, and then the squaw is like, all right, thanks, bud, nom, nom, leaves nom, them nom, alone, nom. and then eats the vomit. Jesus Christ. In winter, vomit eating makes up about 94% of the squaw's diet, and if they can't get the other bird to puke, they might resort to killing the bird and then eat the bird instead. <sighs> to They're be like, fair, if you are going to throw up, I'm going to eat you.
0: <laughs> yeah, to be fair, if you chase me, I will also throw up. Yes. So I get it on behalf of the other birds, but also, come on, man. <laughs> come on. <laughs>
1: And speaking of vomit, turkey vultures, when they're threatened, will vomit up their food as self-defense. They can do it with decent aim, and they can spew up to 10 feet away. And also, babies can do this. (laughs) It basically deters predators because it's gross and surprising, but also the turkey vulture's stomach acid is so strong, it can be harmful to your eyes, nose, and mouth of a human or another animal. Basically, we need to thank them for doing their service to the world by cleaning up the dead animals on our side of the roads, but... Do it from a safe distance. At least 10 feet. (laughs) They will puke on you and it will hurt. The magnificent frigate bird is also a magnificent, gross little monster. Same. Who who I love. It's a black seabird that lives along the coastlines of the Americas and the Caribbean and has this bright red throat pouch that inflates into a large red balloon during mating season, which, by the way, they only mate every other year. They are a monogamous species and they also take a very long time, the longest time, to raise their young. Basically, they're like, I'm going to space out having kids so I can give each one the most attention. So they only mate every other year. So these birds also have a very large ratio of wing area to body weight, which allows them to soar continuously for long periods. But they can't swim or take off easily, so they'll fly over the ocean and swoop down to catch birds and other uh, fish and squid near the surface with their long hooked bill. They can also steal eggs from other birds to eat, or... Same thing, vomit strategy. Latch onto the tail of other birds and shake them around (laughs) until they throw up. (laughs) And then they give up their last meal to the frigate. If you shake me, I
0: will also throw up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The bearded vulture also known as the Quebrantas huesos or bone breaker is a pretty metal bird okay <laughs> they I mean anything thirst... that's called the bone breaker is gonna be fucking metal right they bathe in rusty dust to make themselves look fierce they're one of the largest vulture species in the uh, world World. Uh, they have piercing yellow and red eyes they can live up to 45 years and their diet is basically just bones Instead of eating meat, they like to seek the skeletal corpses that have already been picked clean, and then they break those bones into pieces and then they eat them. That is so metal. Yeah. So metal they eat bones. The the hoatzin resembles a creature from the prehistoric era, again another dinosaur Mm -hmm. bird, and has unpleasant nicknames like reptile bird, skunk bird, and stink bird. That's rude. (laughs) Right? (laughs) All Among Us isn't actually a stink bird. Like, I... I showered this morning and my armpits already stink. Oh, like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm the stinkiest bird. Yeah, I showered like two
0: hours ago and I am already stinky. Mm-mm. So, before you throw stones at another stink bird, stink bird. consider the stink, <laughs> stink is coming from inside the house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Often found in groups in the swamps and mangroves of the Amazon Basin, well, the no, strange... Well, no they stink, they live in a swamp. They live in a swamp. I what do you expect them I to live smell in a swamp? like
0: roses? Yeah, like, have you smelled a swamp? It smells it's like swamp. Not,
1: not a great, great look, man. Of the and mangroves of Amazon Basin, this strange pheasant-like bird is recognized not only by its brown mohawk crest feathers, blue face, and red eyes, but also a very unpleasant odor. Its diet of plants ferments in its foregut, which creates the signature Stink. So it just it's just fermenting, and you can smell it.
0: Can we get the stink bird and Momo the Fart Monster to be friends? Right? I would love that. Yeah, just like Momo the Fart Monster being like, hello, fellow stinger.
1: Hello. <laughs> just being cute. I'm going to talk about the marabou stork. It's also known as the undertaker bird or the grim reaper. It's five feet tall, so Uh-oh. my size.
0: That is the size of mysterious third roommate exactly.
1: Yeah. So it's a five foot tall bird, but only about twenty pounds. Oh. But so it's has fairy a thin. wingspan almost as big as an albatross at almost eleven feet. Holy shit. So not only is it five feet tall this way, it's, it's uh, another it's, five feet in one direction, another five, five feet in another direction. direction when it opens Jesus. up. Yeah. So it takes up a lot of space. That is an upsettingly large bird. Yeah. It's bald, and its head also kind of looks like it's rotting. It's got, like, this multi, like, pink and gray and black and brown feather coloring. Uh And it's also kind of a little intimidating. Its beak is kind of like a dagger or stake, and it kind of looks like it could stab you to death. (laughs) (laughs) It lives by eating dead animals, scavenging around dumpsters and landfills, and also eating human waste. Basically, they, even though they are scary monster birds, they're cleaning up the local ecosystem in their native sub-Saharan Africa. Also, to keep cool, or to cool down, it poops on its own legs. It just goes poop-poop. Covers, its sunscreen is bird poop.
0: I can't imagine that really helps cool
1: you down <laughs> I just keep thinking about this like super intimidating scary ass mm-hmm. bird That's the who size then of breaks you. the tension decides to shit on its <laughs> own legs <laughs> <laughs> uh. okay and then my last bird we're going to wrap this up with my favorite bird the bassian thrushes also from Australia hunt by do you want to guess how they hunt? Do they shit on stuff? <laughs> they fart. <laughs> you are so close. What? I really, okay, months ago I
0: googled because I was curious to see if birds could fart, and it said that they couldn't because they lack sphincters.
1: Yeah, basically, it's like, it's, it's still... It's, it's just forceful air? Forceful air out of their... Cloaca? C- Cloaca, cl- 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 yeah. So... Unlike the marabou stork who, like, aims its cloaca at its It's legs to poop and, like, cool down, the bastion thrush will find a hole where a worm lives and then basically direct a stream of its air from its cloaca into the hole. And then the fart startles the worm and pushes it into motion with basically vibration and gas, (laughs) and then it lets the thrush know that someone's home and ready for eating, so and does the it smell just is... fart until it finds a worm? So the smell is so deadly that the worm will come out because it's like, I need air. Oh, and then my... the thrush picks it up and eats it with his long beak. And then it just walks away. I'm sorry. And we're
0: calling that other bird the stink bird. <laughs> right? This one actively <laughs> farts. How dare you? Right? This is way more of a stink bird. <laughs> and
1: so th- that's my uh, smorgasbord. borb of stink is borb st- really stink is borb violent borbs <laughs> oh, <laughs> just man. weird birds all right
0: are you ready for something completely different you want to talk about yes. storks yes storks okay so for some reason people des- depict storks as
1: delivering babies that seems dangerous it does based on what i know about storks
0: yes now that we've heard about this weird horrible stork that poops on its legs <laughs> you maybe don't want them near your child so, I went on a deep dive because I was like, why do we think storks deliver babies? Yeah. Like, what, where the fuck does that come from? So, the problem is, at this point, that myth is so widespread that you can't really pin down one specific point of origin because it is, wow. like, legitimately all around the world. There is some yeah. variation on the stork brings a baby. So, spoiler alert, storks are not actually involved in human birth. They have nothing yeah. to do with it at all. So, if you're waiting for a stork to bring you a kid, bad news. It's not going to happen. You're
1: going to have to impregnate yourself. Yeah. So, sorry, figure it out.
0: <laughs> Probably the oldest possible origin of this myth is ancient Greece, where Hera, who, much like her super petty bitch husband Zeus, <laughs> got really <laughs> jealous of the queen Gerana. Gerana was super beautiful and since obviously Hera does not like it when people exist who are also beautiful like her, how dare? It caused problems. Hera ultimately turned Gerana into a stork. But Gerana was not taking her new form lying down and attacked Hera to try and get her baby back. And I did read one account where it was a newborn baby and the baby may have been Zeus's, which may have led to Hera's rage. So uh, she was like, not only are you hot, you also boned my petty, worthless husband. So who bones
1: everyone, by the way. Yeah, Hera, like, you could have done better.
0: How long? Just make your people I resent list one person long. It's Zeus. You're just mad at him. Yeah, don't bring these other women into it. It's just him you're mad at. Anyway, so Gera attacked Hera to try and get her baby back, thus resulting in the image of a stork flying away with a baby in its beak because she attacked Hera
1: and then grabbed her baby. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. (laughs) And
0: that's the origin of the baby back ribs song. song.
1: Who knew Greek mythology has contributed to so much? We'd like to thank today's sponsor of the
0: episode, Chilies. We'd like our baby back, baby back, baby back, call the stork or (laughs) chilies. One researcher found that in the original myth it's actually a crane and not a stork. But over time people get confused about what birds are what. Yeah. So, you know.
1: It's fine. Pointy beak.
0: It's a it's a pointy beak, it's white. Swiggly body. It's a bird. In Egypt, there's a myth that storks played a role in the birth of the world, and they also play a role in reincarnation, so that's kind of Mm. the idea of, like, that those storks are connected that way. Again, Mm -hmm. it's genuinely all over the world. That's so cool. The biggest culprit, obviously, is Europe, but, like, it is, it is everywhere. Yeah. In medieval times, the European cultural norm was to marry in the summer due to the association with fertility, so the idea being everything else is fertile, so if you get married in the summer, you too will be fertile. And then you can
1: bone as soon as you're married and have a baby. have a baby,
0: yes. Mm. In Germany and Norway in particular, people would observe around the time of these summer marriages that the storks would begin their annual migration, going from Europe to Africa, and then the storks would come back exactly nine months later, the following spring. And around the same time, all of those folks who got married in the summer Mm. are popping out babies because what else takes nine months? babies oh so they were like clearly with the return of the storks there's also all these people being like meet my new baby that i just so had the storks, so brought, the storks the baby. brought the babies it's not because they boned after their wedding it's because the stork brought it germany also had myths that suggested storks found babies in caves or marshes what's weird is the the version of this i read did not say how the babies got in the cave or marsh they were just in there and storks found them Just naturally occurring babies in caves. So,
1: I'm just trying to imagine, like, a naturally occurring baby in a cave. You're in fucking Luray caverns, and you're like, "Oh, a stalactite, is that a baby? Kaguya-hime. Oh, yeah. You cut the bamboo piece, and the baby just popped out. Or Momotaro, you cut the big peach, and And the the baby baby pops out. out. It's that, but it's a cave. knock down a a stalactite. Stalactite, and there's a baby inside. There's a baby inside. So the stork was like, I'm not a human,
0: I don't want to deal with this. So then it would get a basket and bring the baby to a household or it would just use its beak and bring the baby to a household because it's a stork and it's like i don't want this baby in my cave in the hopes of luring the stork german households back in the day used to place candy and other sweets on the windowsill so that the stork would come by for the candy and then drop a baby down the chimney that's right in a version of this the stork drops a baby down down the chimney. chimney best case scenario you don't have a fire lit and your baby just drops into the fireplace
1: Best case scenario, your fireplace is soft. (laughs) You know, all those soft fireplaces where you want to keep a baby. (sighs) Ah.
0: Then you have Ah. Slavic myth, which suggests that storks bring unborn souls from Viraj, a mythical place where birds fly for the winter and where souls go after death. And so the idea is that the storks go there in spring and summer, and then they come back with these unborn souls that they then divvy out to people. And so, accordingly, Slavic myth says that if you kill a stork, it's believed to bring great misfortune, because it's bringing back this undead soul, it's bringing this new life into the world. So if you attack a stork that's doing this, like, soul yeah, you're fucked.
1: Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe if you kill... Any bird that's on a mission, you're probably fucked. You're probably fucked. And cassowary will come and kick you in the neck. <laughs> cassowary is like, heard you were talking shit. <laughs> I feel like the cassowary would be like a really good bodyguard for the storks. <laughs> yes.
0: In America, this is super fucked up. I'm sorry. In America, slave children were sometimes told that white babies were brought by storks, while black babies were born out of buzzard eggs. No. Because everything here is terrible and racist. <laughs> I put in my notes, really, whose culture picks over the remains of everyone else's, like a buzzard-eating carrion? But, sure. Yikes. Yeah, just just some fucked up Mm. racism. Most likely, the reason for the popularity of storks and babies is Hans Christian Andersen, the same guy who wrote The Little Mermaid, because Mm -hmm. he wrote a fable called The Storks. In it, storks picked up sleeping babies from ponds and lakes, which, again, no one addresses how the babies got in the the ponds, lakes, caves, or marshes. They just pop up in the wild. So the stork would go pick up a baby and then deliver it to a good, wholesome, and deserving family. But if your family had a misbehaving child, you would get a dead baby from the stork instead. Nope what the fuck yeah because in the story there's like this mean little boy who like throws rocks at the storks and whatever and so the stork's like hey fuck you and then brings his family a dead baby
1: so if you have a baby so basically if you have a child who like can't behave itself then that's why like that's your warning yeah that you won't get another baby yeah
0: because hans christian anderson was all about like scaring children into behaving and getting people to like discipline their children so right. it's like you got to discipline your kid because otherwise you're not gonna be able to have another one mm. and then you had victorian england which was extremely puritanical about talking about sex and birth so it's uh, easier yes, to say victorian a bird england. brings the baby than to mm-hmm. s- to support the overall cultural prudishness than to say like sex is a natural thing and that is how we get more humans
1: you're going to put a penis in a vagina. Yeah,
0: and then a baby's <laughs> going to come out and it's fine, it's a natural thing. No, it was easier to blame the stork, but it does lead to I believe it was around suffragette times where they were starting to like be more public about birth control. There was an ad for it where it's a woman like in Victorian garb like shoeing a stork with an umbrella cuz she's like keeping the baby. <laughs> I've seen that. Away. I've seen that. Yeah. It's so good. I'll try to find it and put it on the Instagram if I can find it's it so again. So funny. It's not today. Not not today, Satan. <laughs> There's also more negative associations with stork lore, too. In one Polish folktale, the stork's black wings are a gift from the devil to counteract its white, God-given plumage, to give it both good and evil impulses, so it's kind of both. Okay. If a baby was stillborn in Germany, storks were blamed for dropping it on delivery or for punishing the household for past misconduct.
1: So... Baby is stillborn. The stork is blamed for miscarriage mm-hmm. because they dropped it. Yep. But didn't they want the babies dropped into the chimney? Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. That's fine. I see no, see, see no, no problem. No, there's no
0: logical flaws there's here. No. You'll find this holds water.
1: <laughs> this definitely holds water. This is yeah. very
0: scientific, Sasha. I don't know why you have questions. <laughs> if a mother was bedridden as she approached birth, she was believed to have been bitten by the stork while babies born with birthmarks on the back of their heads are sometimes said to have stork bites.
1: Because that's where the
0: stork holds you, I guess. Medieval England, (laughs) for all their love of the stork's nine-month migration, did not like that it also would preen itself like a lot of birds do, and Uh the stork does really elaborate courtship rituals. So... Oh, yeah. These were attributed as being a sign of the stork being conceited and obsessed with itself and also prone to adultery. (laughs) So, okay. you want the stork to bless you with fertility and shit, but also, you don't want the stork to have you cheat on your wife yeah, and, like, give be a you with old tree. yourself. Yeah. Denmark perpetuated the idea that every other year, storks would yeet one of their young out of the nest. So just every other year, they'd be like, just nope, yeet. and just yeet that baby out. <laughs> yeet that baby! I love that the recurring theme of this podcast is just yeeting babies. <laughs> And the best excuse, it might just be simple human error that we believe that storks bring babies. Paul Quinn, an English lit professor and folklore researcher, thinks that maybe humans saw a pelican in flight with a full beak, so it was pouched out, and they mistook it for being a different white bird carrying something that's kind of baby-shaped.
1: I just, I feel like I would trust a pelican a little bit more than a Historic, a stork, honestly. Yeah, because the
0: pelican be- can be like, get inside of my beak, so it's yeah. like, you're not going to slip out of the beak. You're I was just like thinking about, like,
1: there. you know you know how, like, cats, uh, kit- uh, kittens and puppies are carried by, like, the scruff of their neck yeah. by their moms? Yeah. And you were talking earlier about the beak bite on mm-hmm. the back of the kid's head. Stork bite, yes. I was like, we don't have scruff. <laughs> Storks got a whole on to something. I mean, I know stuff, I've they? seen, like, illustrations of them in, like, a little baby blanket or, yeah. like, a little basket. I feel like... Storks the, don't know how to make blankets, you guys. The, they don't have hands. The pelican makes a little more sense because at least it has an active pouch. Yeah. It has a pre-made baby pouch.
0: <laughs> so that's, that's it. That's, that's why we think storks bring babies. The answer is there's a lot of them. Like, a lot of different <laughs> variations. And it's just that's like... so interesting. Just goes, really. I love it. Yeah. You gotta love it. So I
1: love bird lore.
0: I love, we gotta keep doing more bird lore because there's a lot of birds we didn't get to. Obviously, there's. We talk about phoenixes.
1: Yeah. And that would have been a good time to talk about JK Early jackass. Trans rights, you you guys. Trans rights. So, it's been some weird weeks. We're hanging in there. It's been a weird year, but I want you guys to stay positive, keep fighting the good fight, Mm -hmm. keep washing your hands. Yep.
0: Be as safe as you can Mm be
1: masks are cute there's lots of like little things that you can do to keep making keep keep yourself safe and then there's also lots of little things you can do to keep other people safe from COVID and systemic injustice and racism systemic injustice (laughs) yeah yeah there we go so do your best we appreciate you we love you
0: if there's a bird you're particularly fond of that you would like to talk to us about, any bird, really, you can email SpoopHour at gmail.com. We're also on the internet at spoopour on Twitter and Instagram. It's been so long. We forgot to do this. Also, yeah, thank you for joining us at Livestream for the livestream Cure and for, for the those cure, of you who joined yeah. us. We helped so raise fun. almost $16,000 for cancer research, which is so much baller. Yeah. So thank you for that. Thank you for supporting us constantly. We mm-hmm. really appreciate it. Email SpoopHour at gmail.com. Find us on social and hang in there. Yeah, just don't Yay. mess with the cassowary, and we'll all be fine. You won't get kickstabbed.
1: Hey, everybody, we are the Derailers, Goobs, Ripkin, and Jenny Bean, and you can join us once every week for a brand new derailment. It includes sidetracking, randomness, we just can't stay on topic.
0: You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at the Derailers. And please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Derailers!